Every day, scientists are learning more and more about how human brains work and how many of us don't fit into the old-fashioned understanding of how brains should work. But a lot of ideas about parenting and familial relationships still need to catch up to the reality of human variation. Neurological differences are natural, profoundly valuable parts of being in a community together and in being part of a family. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your journey, I am here to explore with you. We are all in this together. Welcome to Neurodiverging. Welcome to Neurodiverging. My name is Danielle, and I'm here today to talk to you about special interests. The uh, maybe title of this episode is Special Interests Are Special Strengths. And this is because I think that special interests are relatively misunderstood among non-autistic people. And I'd like to talk a little bit about what special interests are how they function and work for autistic people, how other autistic people see them, and how you can use special interests to help either yourself or your kid branch out or extend your abilities and your range um, if that's something you're interested in doing. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Before I get into that, I just want to let you know that if you didn't have a chance to listen to last week's episode, um, I have a freebie available up on the website at neurodiverging.com. Um, if you go to the side and click on over, you can sign up for the mailing list and be able to download my new Getting Unstuck check-in. Now, this is a worksheet that I designed for myself originally to help me figure out why I'm stuck and what I can do to get unstuck because I am one of those people who has trouble identifying um, emotions and also physical sensations. So sometimes I'm stuck because I feel angry or stressed out about something and I need to do something to address that. And sometimes I'm stuck because I'm very hungry or I have to pee and I need to do something to address that. So this is a worksheet that I developed for myself. The first step obviously is to notice that you're stuck, but then once you're there, uh, it is helpful to have a, an actual list or things to look at to help you figure out what's going on and get yourself out of it. So if you're interested in that worksheet, please go to neurodiverging.com and you can sign up to the mailing list and download the Getting Unstuck check-in. Uh, if you do download it, please uh, let me know what you think of it. I would love to know if it's of use to people out in there in the world or if there's updates I could make to make it even better for you. Okay, so now let's get into special interests. Now, I am talking about special interests from an autistic perspective, obviously. Um, I'm an autistic person. I have my own special interests. I also have a child who's autistic, and he has his own special interests. And so this is sort of a summary of my experience from those perspectives and from knowledge of my friends and how they work with their special interests. Um, I did do a bit of research, but this is mostly personal perspective and experience piece. So just so you know where I'm coming from. So now what are special interests exactly? So special interests are basically um, when a person has an intense focus on a specific subject. Um, Neurotypical people 
also have special interests sometimes. These special interests are usually hobbies. So some hobbies I can think of are um, building train sets, gardening, um, art projects, being kind of an organizing junkie, sometimes being a writer um, or, you know, a knitter. So sometimes you'll have these kind of craft uh, projects or hobby projects that are special interests for neurotypical people. Um, autistic special interests are more often kind of a general topic. So we're not just interested in gardening for our location and region, but we might be interested also in the history of gardening, how gardening functions for people in society, um, all kinds of, uh, what are the most famous gardens of the world? Um, what are some really unique special gardens that nobody else knows about? So what we're going to do instead is we're going to have an intense focus on a specific topic that extends past the range of kind of what's useful. Um, neurotypical people, in my experience, tend to focus on what they can actually use. And autistic people are more interested in learning everything there is to know about the topic that's interesting to them. So some examples from what I see, um, my son has specific special interests in fans, wheels, anything that spins, um, certain kinds of music, um, certain television shows. And I have personal special interests. And I thought back to when I was a kid, some of the special interests I had when I was a kid were things like horses. I knew so many things about so many different breeds of horses. Again, this isn't particularly useful information for a 12 year old. Um, but it was something that really brought me a lot of joy and, and pleasure just to learn a lot about different kinds of horse breeds. I was also deeply interested in the band Queen. Um, and also in Greek and Roman mythology. So those are some of my, and I'm sure I had other special interests as well, but those are the ones I could think of off the top of my head. Nowadays, my special interests are things like learning about autism spectrum disorder and autistic people and autistic communities. Also, I've been very interested in baby and toddler sleep because my kids had trouble sleeping and I've had lots of friends who have had uh, kids trouble with trouble sleeping. And so that has been a helpful and very interesting thing for me to learn about. I'm also very interested in parenting. I read a lot of parenting books, even books that may not apply to my situation specifically. Um, I also have special interests in baking and cooking and in several TV shows and books. Um, so there's a wide variety of special interests and there is some research that indicates that special interests are different between men and women on the spectrum as well. Um, it's unclear and they, it's not like they're, they've done studies with huge populations um, or lots of controls or anything, but it does seem like women's special interests tend to be kind of more um, that, that we float from one special interest to another. Um, so they are deep personal interests, but you know, like I used to be into horses and now I know nothing about horses, but I'm super into parenting. Um, and whereas men, uh, some research indicates tend to kind of stick to one thing for a longer period of time. Um, so that may or may not be accurate. I have had mixed experiences myself and how useful is the male female binary anyway? I'm not really sure. So now we talked a little bit about how special interests are different than hobbies in that they extend a little bit further. So how do they work for autistic people. So 
the thing about special interests that I think is really interesting is that they offer energy to the autistic person. They are fulfilling in a deep, not quite spiritual, but certainly um, emotionally satisfying way. They are calming, they are predictable, and they kind of bring you to your happy place. So, you know, listening to that Queen song, um, watching that horse run, um, listening, you know, or reading um, another variation of a Greek myth um, is is comforting for me and um, brings me to a, a place of calm and comfort and joy. Um, and as I've mentioned before, the world for an autistic person um, can be really challenging, really frightening, really unpredictable. And interests, special interests offer an antidote to that. They give us a place to go in our mind that is safe um, and will always hold our interest and just is deeply engaging. Um, and that's something we really get a lot of value out of. And I don't really think it can be underestimated. So, you know, that's why I always say, if your kid is really deeply into cars, let them be into cars. Um, it's a way that they're expressing their need for calm. And um, you, you know, if you're a neurotypical person, you might be able to access that stress relief in other ways that we don't have access to. So it's, you know, a different way to, to get to that calm, happy place um, where you feel fulfilled. And I think everybody deserves that. So what I'd like to talk a little bit about next is um, how parents, and I'm talking mostly neurotypical parents, teachers and therapists, how do they see special interests? And what I find relatively troubling is that there seems to be this pervasive thought that special interests are worrying or things that you have to get rid of, think like a behavior that you want to remove from an autistic person. Um, I deeply disagree with that. And I want to talk a little bit about why I think that special interests are valuable and should be valued, um, both for their own for their own existence, as well as for the person who has a special interest. So first of all, autistic people are people, and our brains are a little different than neurotypical brains, um, but that difference is, is valuable and should be kept in the world. Like we're not trying to, we should not be gotten rid of. So autistic special interests deserve to exist, deserve to be here, and getting rid of them um, dehumanizes autistic people in a way that... I'm deeply uncomfortable with. Um, and I also think that people worry about special interests because um, they don't get it. And um, just assuming you need to get rid of something in the world just because you don't get it is, is troubling. So if you're one of those people who's scared of special interests, try to think through why, what is so worrying about it for you, and try to make sure you, you know, are talking to autistic people themselves, because how you interpret their special interests might be totally off base from what is actually going on. Um, what I notice is that uh, a lot of people overreact to special interests because, I think, because special interests are one of the most recognizable traits of autism. And autism is scary, don't you know? Um, it's having kind of someone monologue at you about trains or horses or whatever our special interest is, is kind of a go-to autism trait. 
And it's the one that gets picked up a lot in media portrayals of autistic people, for better or worse. So it is a very recognizable autistic trait, um, maybe as recognizable as stimming or um, the lack of eye contact or certain kind of physical behaviors. Um, and I think that, I think there is this idea that um, having a special interest and being autistic is scary because so many people don't understand autism and autistic people. Um, so there's this sort of association with, oh, a special interest must be something we want to get rid of because it doesn't look normal, quote unquote. It doesn't look right, right? So that's one thing. And like I said before, it doesn't matter if you think autistic traits are normal or not. They exist and you got to deal with them. So uh, work from there, okay? It is something that is bringing your person, your autistic person, joy and comfort and calm. And that on its own, with nothing else, deserves to be in the world, okay? So learn how to work with the autistic trait. The second thing that I notice a lot, especially with therapists, and often therapists who mean well and are well-trained and are doing the best they can, is the therapist may focus on how restrictive the special interest is. So if an autistic person is doing or watching or saying the same things over and over again, um, playing with the toy the same way, um, especially if they're not doing like playing with the toy in a social way, but they're playing with the toy sort of not in the way it's intended. Isn't that what they always say on the surveys? Um, so if you have little uh, dolls and you are spinning them around on the floor um, instead of, you know, making them talk to each other, then um, a lot of therapists and kind of evaluators, autism evaluators will focus on that and say, well, that's, you know, a restrictive um, interest that spinning is uh, making it more difficult for this child to use the dolls the way they're intended. So first of all, toys are not intended to do anything <laughs> except to bring some comfort and fun. So if a kid is having fun spinning the toy on the ground. I mean, it might mean they're autistic. I'm not saying it's a bad metric, but it doesn't mean that uh, they don't know how to play with a toy. <laughs> That's just not a thing. I'm sorry. Um, second of all, uh, I would argue that for a lot of us autistics, um, having special interests broadens us. It takes us out of our comfort zones in ways that you might not expect. And um, if you're, if you do have a child, if you're a parent and you do have a child who has a special interest that you feel is restrictive, I would suspect that it's not the interest itself that's restrictive so much as how your kid is approaching the interest. And this is something that you can work with your child to adapt if it is something you're concerned with as a parent. So again, you're not trying to get rid of the special interest. You're not trying to remove it you are maybe trying to extend it somewhat to help your child branch out. So let me talk about that for a minute, okay? Uh, my son is a spinner. He's still a spinner. But when he was maybe two, uh, one and a half, two, he started spinning everything in the house. The minute he got his hands on any new thing, he would check to see if it spun and where in the house it would spin. Would it spin on this kind of floor or this kind of floor best? And what would happen if he spun it this way or this way or this way? What if he spun these two things at the same time, um, et cetera? And that is a restrictive, right, a habit, right, where you are literally only spinning things. You are not doing anything else with them. Now, I would also mention he's two. Um, when you're two, some kids are expanding and doing kind of social play and parallel play. But a lot of kids are still just learning how the world works and how physics works and what happens when you spin things. And so 
at two, I don't worry about that being restrictive. Um, some of the therapists did though. Um, and so what we sort of came to terms about was that we're not going to get rid of the spinning. What we're going to try to do is help him understand, um, kind of the value of spinning, where is spinning useful? And how can you extend the range of spinning things to learn about the world in different, more interesting ways. So you can work from uh, spinning, you know, little magnets on the floor to getting to be interested in fans, which he did. And now how do fans work? What do they do? Um, what are they used for? You know, um, and then what about washing machines? They spin uh, what do they get used for? How do you use them? Right. Um, so now he's learning about electronics. He's learning about different functions of spinning things. He's learning about different household chores. All right. Then from washing machines, what are some other things that spin? Oh, well, stand mixers spin. Do you want to help me make muffins and we can watch the stand mixer spin? So now we're learning about baking and household economics and other important things and how food comes, how people make food and how the food that appears on your plate is generated, right? And then, oh, from sand mixers, what else spins? Oh, maybe we could look at a video on whirlpools and how do whirlpools form, okay? Now you're looking at kind of uh, geophysics and the mechanics of the Earth's crust and how the ocean forms and all these really cool, cool things, different kinds of rocks, right? Um, and okay, so now we've looked at whirlpools and the Earth's crust. You know what else spins? Black holes spin, could we maybe do a little bit of research on black holes and kind of learn what they do, how they, how they work in the universe as far as we know. Um, and that led to a whole thing on how stars are created, how planets spin, how planets go around the sun. Okay. So this is a kind of a at home example of how you can take a very simple, somewhat restricted special interest and help the child expand. So maintain the special interest and allow them to still spin magnets on the floor if they want to, but also introduce them to alternative ways that that interest functions in the world. Okay. Now I understand spinning is a mechanical sort of interest and it might be hard to uh, apply that out. So let's look as said at say Greek and Roman mythology, which was my special interest for a long time. Now um, my interest in Greek and Roman mythology manifested initially as an interest in Greek and Roman stories, right? And so looking, um, like who were the Greek gods, memorizing the Greek pantheon, who was related to whom, um, what were different stories about them? How were the stories different? Um, so in, in some cases, the myth of Hades and Persephone looks like this. And in some other cases, it looks like this. Well, why, when? Now, initially, this was a very restrictive interest. I was basically memorizing stories and I could regurgitate them. Um, and I was sort of building a library of stories in my head, but I wouldn't say they were particularly useful for anything outside of my own internal kind of peaceful place, which is important in and of itself, but it, they weren't, um, something I could apply to the larger world. Okay. Um, as I got older, I was able to use those Greek and Roman myths to compare and contrast other world mythologies. Okay, what's the same and what's different from them? Um, if we look at Greek and Roman, and then we look at um, Babylonian myth, or we look at ancient Judaism, or we look at, um, well, you know, any kind of, <laughs> even if you look at ancient um, South American Indian myth mythology, 
um, and trying to just compare and contrast what's the same and what's different. Um, what I got from mythology was learning about people and different kinds of cultural practices, different kind of religious practices. I took three semesters of Latin um, so that I could learn Greek and Roman mythology better. I got into religious studies and anthropology and sociology because of Greek and Roman mythology. Um, I got into comparative culture because of Greek and Roman mythology. Um, I'm a better communicator, honestly, because of Greek and Roman mythology. So that's a more liberal artsy sort of less mechanical approach to how can you take an interest like Greek and Roman mythology and expand it out? Well, maybe you could take your kid to the garden or the botanic center near you when we're not under quarantine and uh, look for some plants that occur in Greek and Roman myths, right? Maybe you could look at the planets and say, hey, why do you think Jupiter's named Jupiter? What are some things that are similar? What are some things that are different, right? Look at all those moons named after the Roman goddesses, okay? Um, look at uh, the Greek underworld and compare it, contrast it with the various other ancient Mediterranean religions underworlds, because honestly, that is fascinating. And I would be happy to talk about that for a long time. Um, there are lots of ways to, if you're creative, uh, take anybody's special interests and sort of pick it apart and spread it out. Okay. So if you are a parent or a teacher or a therapist, and you're worried about special interests, just remember, special interests don't have to be restrictive. We don't want to make kids do things they're not comfortable with just in the, just to have them branch out. Like, just like neurotypical people, not everybody should jump out of a plane and go skydiving. It's not for everyone. You don't branch out just for the heck of it. What you do is you find where your comfort zone is and you stretch slightly past that. And autistic people, most of us want to do the same thing, right? Um, we want to have new experiences, but it can be scary to get out of that routine to not know what was happening, it can be frightening. So allowing us to have our special interests that are calming and predictable and just stretch them a little bit at a time can be a really great way to expand our range and expand your child's range in a way that is comfortable for them and for you as the parent um, and offers you a way to see what they're really capable of. Um, and just remember, just because something looks like an autistic trait doesn't mean it's bad. It is an autistic trait. Autistic traits aren't bad things. They're just autistic traits. They're, they're, there's no difference between an autistic trait and a neurotypical trait. You're just not used to seeing them as equal, but they are equal. Autistic traits and neurotypical traits are equal. The way you want to do it as a neurotypical person is not inherently better than the way an autistic person wants to do the same thing. So please listen to each other and honor each other's brains and their differences. Okay. If that's the one thing I can hope you get out of this particular podcast, I would say, let them be equal in your mind. Another example of how special interests helped me broaden my range is I was very interested in the band Queen when I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 12 to 14 ish, probably a little longer than that. And Queen, um, made me interested in learning to sing and also in learning piano, which I did somewhat, but I'm still pretty bad at it. But uh, learning piano helped me develop more coordination 
And then I was able to learn some basic percussion. Like I can move my hands and my feet in slightly different patterns, which is cool. I could not do that at all before I was like 16. I know some people's bodies just do that. I had to work so hard to clap, you know, in quarter notes while my feet are doing half notes or whatever. Um, Through enjoying Queen and wanting to learn more about music, I learned to sing and I learned to be in front of people. I auditioned in front of people. I did badly sometimes and had to learn to take criticism from um, like teachers and professors. I got over my nerves and sang on stage. Like these are all really valuable life skills that can be applied widely, right? To uh, at most, most jobs, honestly, where you have to talk in front of customers or in front of uh, superiors. Um, and being having a very deep level interest in queen got me there okay so again just because uh you can't see the initial application of a special interest doesn't mean one doesn't exist be creative listen to your kid and uh listen to your autistic friend and you will get there together okay So I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. This has been episode 106 on special interests. Um, Please go check out neurodiverging.com. If you have not yet downloaded your Getting Unstuck check-in, please go download that today. I hope you are all staying safe and well and at home. Um, And thank you for being here with me. Please remember we are all in this together.